Before I started my podcast, before I started to actually record the thoughts that were going on in my head, my ideology never changed. From when I was in middle school, when I was in high school, I was speaking the same things that I speak on this platform as I did in my classrooms, as I did to my friends, to my family members, to anybody that would just sit down and listen to me. And I remember throughout those years, I would constantly say the same things as I say on this podcast to just random people. And I would have my teachers pull me to the side and tell me, Christy, it's not the time. This is not the place. Let's dial it back a little bit. I've even had teachers confess to me that they had enjoyed the talks that I was spewing out into the world. But in the same breath, say that it was too much and that this wasn't the place. And I remember by the time I got to high school, I was in history class and we were talking about some historical event. And I remember I brought up one of my philosophies and he proceeded to say, this is not the time. Just like 20 other teachers have said to me so far, I've been on this earth by this time of my life. And I exploded. And I remember getting so loud. And I remember saying, why is it that it's never the time? When will you make time for black trauma? When are people going to make time to talk about prison reform? And, and at the time, I was talking about sexual assault advocacy. I was talking about... Um, hate crimes, Black Wall Street. I was talking about everything that related to Black pain. And I told my teacher, and I said, we can get on here into class and talk about the Holocaust and talk about slavery and World War One, World War Two. We could talk about Chernobyl. You know, we could talk about all the things that is in like the academia study list. But when it comes to black history, which is history, when it comes to me just bringing up a, another historical event, it's not the time. We don't have the time for that. It's not the right place. And that made me so angry because I started to realize that no matter where I went, no, what, no matter how loudly I spoke, or how much I advocated for a particular group, it would never be the time. And growing up, I was, I was very, very adamant about prison reform. And I thought, who are gonna fight for the prisoners? Who are gonna fight for the incarcerated people, the wrongfully incarcerated? Who are gonna fight for the people that has to go against Priya? Who are going, who's gonna fight for me? When it comes to police brutality, when it comes to hate crimes, when it comes to murder and homicide, who is going to fight for me? And then one day, you know, of course, throughout my life, I've seen plenty of accidents, plenty of things happen. But I remember this one particular day, it was a car accident on the highway and it was a black family. 
it was a mom, it was a daughter, it was a son. And in the other car was another black family. It was a mom, it was a father, and a daughter. And I remember this car accident happened right in front of us. And the kids, they were crying so loud, so loud, screaming, not because they were in pain, but because this traumatic situation just happened to them and they were at the age where they couldn't comprehend it. So the only emotion they could bring out was just tears. And I remember the black parents of these, of both families, consoling their kids trying to let them know everything was okay trying to let them know to breathe that you know look mommy daddy's fine like we're okay we're going to be okay and as it came to time for everybody to change you know exchange insurance information there was like a group of 15 white people standing on the sideline recording taking pictures just staring they weren't helping they weren't trying to push the cars out of the middle of the road they weren't trying to help console these crying kids but they just stood there and watched as if it was some type of zoo they watched as if it was a movie a reality tv show going on in front of their eyes and they were waiting for somebody to say cut and everybody was just gonna walk away. Luckily, both families were okay. The kids turned out to be okay and you know, they got settled down. And after the accident happened, those white people, I watched them walk away. And I sat there baffled as I looked at them admire black trauma as if it was entertainment. And it bothered me because when it comes to white fragility, when it comes to white trauma, a white woman crying, a white man crying, white children crying, I've seen people stop. I've seen the second slow down and people drop everything they were doing to go save to coddle, to love, to show support for these white families. That day I watched not one, but two black families experience a traumatic experience. And there was not one of those people in the crowd that offered to help with the kids, offered to help with pushing the cars out of the way, offered to help with calling the police, it was just, they stood there and they watched and they admired and they just, it felt like at that moment we were all in a circus and they were waiting for us to do tricks. And then it reminded me of how many white people, and I don't want to say all of them, but how many white people go to these third world countries and they take photos of kids in these impoverished situations and then they just come back to america or come back to their country post them on instagram and during that time of their trip they did nothing for these kids they did nothing for these people struggling and that's what bothers me is that when you go home to your warm bed and to 
the shower that you have to the food that you have. These people still have nothing. And it comes to a point where people are so tone deaf when it just comes to human trauma that we can't comprehend that the stuff that you do, the actions, the way you act is a reflection of how you do not care about people of color, minorities, the impoverished. And what gets me is, is that year after year and decade after decade, it seems as the louder I speak, the louder people speak about human trauma, black trauma, no one cares to listen. Nobody cares to want to comprehend and understand that we are not some type of animal. We are not some type of entertainer that you can just lavish over and look at and stare and soak up this energy and just walk away with it a lot of white people are very tone deaf when it comes to lending a helping hand and i see this all the time how dare you go to these countries where a lot of those civilians need help or let's make this clear go to these countries assuming that when you get there, all you will see is impoverished, sick, starving people, malnourished people. And then you get there and realize that, oh, these places actually have electricity. Oh, these places actually have food and water and housing and good plumbing. And then you scratch your head like some dumbass monkey and think, wow, this is what this this isn't what I expected when I was going to come to Africa. I wasn't expecting for you to have food, for you to have water, for you to have clean water. I wasn't expecting you for to have clothes. Wow. When did this start to happen? When, when did you guys start to come along with the technology? When these people come to these third world countries and like, oh my God, you have phones? You have tablets? You have computers? Where does the internet come from? The tone deafness. To minorities is is fucking astonishing and then it's like the moment you you see us as the impoverished as see us as the people that are struggling you don't help you pull out a camera and you take photos and you might you might ask for our name and you might ask what can you do for us to help and then the moment we express what we need and how we can survive it's oh i'm sorry i have to catch a flight oh i'm sorry i'll I'll give you enough resources to last you throughout the day or maybe till tomorrow morning but it's not enough to make change it's not enough to help to truly care a lot of people which is help not because they care but to make themselves look good and then at the end of the day who is it really helping a lot of people think oh because they sent money as donations to help starving kids in africa or in india or wherever that's struggling that oh that's their good deed oh i've done something good or i feel good about myself or they'll send in pennies literal literal pennies 
to these donations and then go to their friends and then go to their loved ones and say, oh, I've done X, Y, and Z. What did you do? And so it turns into this guilt trip between white people of who's done the most for the impoverished. And it's like, are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We might be impoverished. We might not have money. We might not have food and clothes and whatever you think we might not have. But at the end of the day, we are human, which people tend to forget is that every person that you came in contact with when you went to those third world countries or you seen and traumatic experiences, they are human. They are not toys. They are not piggy banks. They are not fucking TV shows. They are human beings going through real life things. And you taking out a camera and saying smile and then posting it on Instagram is not helping. It's not helping anyone. And so I ask again, when it's time for me to talk about these situations, these groups, these organizations, and I'm constantly told to be quiet and to hush up and to relax and it's not the time. When will it be a time where black trauma, where human trauma is treated with the same respect as somebody with white fragility, as somebody that has white trauma. When are black people allowed to have the same decency, common courtesy as a white person? That is what I've been trying to speak for the last 20 years since middle school, since high school, is when are we allowed to speak when are we allowed to be seen and not be some type of make-a-wish foundation? When can we be the topic of a situation and not in a tone deafness scenario, but be the topic of a situation because you truly want to talk about us and hear from us and understand us? The sad thing about it is I really, deep down in my heart, feel like no matter how much time any person of color spends on this topic or screams or throws tantrums about human rights, common courtesy, decency, I feel like no matter how much we beg for white people to just stop being so disgusting when it comes to how they see us these things would never change because guess what in 20 years and 30 years and 40 years Becky's are still going to be going to Africa to take pictures of little kids that are not theirs that they will never know to get a couple of likes on Instagram in 20 to 30 years there's going to be car accidents and there's going to be deaths and shootings where white people are going to come out and act like they care, but they don't. And that's the sad part about it is that we know subconsciously that you guys would never care and you would never fight for us as if you would your own. And that's the disgusting part about it is that 
when it comes down, forget race, forget black and white, Asian, Mexican, Latinos, forget race. But when it comes down to a human being needing another human being for help, you won't even give us that. 